0: Hey Spotlighters, Mike Ham here, the coolest guy in title insurance and your host of the Morning Spotlight Podcast. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. We have a great guest that I know is going to absolutely blow you away. If you like what you hear, please smash that subscribe button and leave us a review. And remember, when it's time for you to purchase title insurance, there's only one guy you should be calling and that's me. Check the show notes for my email address and let's get this train rolling and start the show right now. Good morning and welcome to the Morning Spotlight Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Cam, coming to you as always from the Spotlight Studios here in Morristown, New Jersey. My guest today is a business development executive for Build Pro Construction Services and Captiva Development. She's passionate about giving back, supporting mental health awareness, and community building. Like me, she's born and raised right here in the great state of New Jersey. And this is her third time on the show. She is Nicole Cruz. Nicole, welcome.
1: Hi, how are you, Mike? I'm excited to
0: be on. I'm excited to have you back. So, okay. First question right out of the gate. What's the vibe like? Cause you came on the first iteration of the show and now you've come on the new show. So how does it feel? Like what, what are you feeling as we kind of progress through this episode right out of the gate?
1: I feel super stoked. I sound like a hippie saying that. (laughs) I feel super stoked. I think that there's been so much growth watching your podcast grow, watching your business grow, seeing how many different interviews you've been doing. So I feel honored that you asked me to be on again. So I'm definitely in a great, you know, mood. I feel like there's such good energy and I think it'll be great to have a super you know, casual conversation about business and life and yeah. see where both
0: of us are at. Right. No, yeah, me too. Cause I mean, like I said before, I mean, the first, I mean, everybody that listens to this show pretty much knows what the first show was and how it was very scripted and everything. And then the last time you were on, where we had the panel with you, Trevor, Dan, and uh, Brent. And that just, you know, we were talking about, you know, I don't even like trends in the real estate industry, I think. So, like, yeah. really, at no point have I ever gotten to actually know you. So, this just seems pretty, good to get you back on and actually have like a real conversation and three times on the show, there's a limited amount of people that get to that level. Um, and uh, so I, I'm not, I mean, I'm not going to say it, but I feel like this will be one of those things that you look back on in your career and be like, wow, that's when I made it. When I did my third spot on the morning spotlight. So.
1: Yes. Yes. It was Mike.
0: Thanks. Mike. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah. go ahead. It's so
1: funny talking about uh, the last podcast. I was just telling someone the other day that, You know, we're looking at different trends. I was in a meeting with an architect and they were talking about, you know, the bigger amenity spaces, the decks and apartment buildings. And we literally had just had that conversation when the pandemic had just hit. And you had asked us questions about where we saw the multifamily space going. I was like, "I predicted this a year
2: ago." <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it's perfect. Um, and that's, you know, I, I think like maybe we could even start uh, talking about maybe, Build Pro, Captiva, um, and then we'll do that stuff first. And then we'll kind of get more into you just so that people know, you know, because this is a real estate generally focused podcast. So we'll do that stuff. Then we'll get to know you better. So tell me, uh, Build Pro, Captiva, give me the short and sweet version of what that is.
1: Absolutely. So Build Pro Construction Services and Captiva Development are sister companies, both owned by the man, the myth, the legend, <laughs> Richard Osika, which is my boss. I report directly to him. So it is a full service real estate development and construction company. We specialize in multifamily mixed use and commercial ground up construction. We work with investors and developers um mainly investors and developers to work on their projects. Um, we work with a lot of, you know, real estate lawyers, attorneys, architects, engineers, because a part of that industry is design build projects. So I love design build projects because we really are able to build a good relationship with those clients from start to finish, which is basically a turnkey process where we get involved from land acquisition through entitlements, and then value engineering construction documents, and then working with you with going vertical in your construction process. So that's really what we specialize in. I mean, we do a lot as a company. Um, I specifically work with our pre-construction side of the business. So I'm working with investors and developers who you know, are looking to purchase new lands. Um, we have a bunch of off-market um, p- opportunities, specifically in New Jersey, Texas market, we're growing there, um, and other markets as well, where we'll present them to our clients, contingent on us being the GC, and we'll build that relationship. On um, the Captiva end, we do develop for ourselves. We currently don't have any existing Um, assets that we've developed because Kaptiva is only about two years old. So she's still new. I would like to say two to five years old. And we're working through entitlements on some of those projects where we were named redeveloper. And so that process, as you know, takes quite some time. Right. Um, So Kaptiva is more of our long term girlfriend. And Bill Pro Construction Services is the supportive girlfriend that really supports that relationship in order for Kemptiva to grow. So you need both in order to work together. Exactly. Um,
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. So um, is it I think it's a lot of multifamily, right? You guys do a lot of multifamily projects.
1: Yeah, so in New Jersey, we do a lot of multifamily projects. We have a sector where we do do interior fit outs and build to suits, but we find that we can't be as competitive as some of the smaller mom and pop GCs who don't have as much overhead as us. And we're very frank um, with our clients because I think transparency is super important as a GC we can easily make a quick buck or two, you know, working on those smaller projects. But we want a long-term relationship. We don't want a one-time transactional relationship. And then you come to us and you realize you could have gotten it cheaper. Right. You know, a two-thousand-square-foot interior job, and now that ruined our relationship. So we did a lot of office interior stuff. But as we've grown, we've really focused on that multifamily ground-up. In um, Texas, we started off with a lot of commercial, and we're getting into that multifamily space in a little bit of a different method than a lot of other companies do. What we did was we really created relationships with landowners in Texas. And you know we cut out the broker fees, we cut out the commissions, and we act as an owner's rep We'll take their site. We'll work with an architect and engineer and create feasibility studies and look to see what we can build there. And then we'll present it to investors and developers as in, hey, you know, we have this amazing off-market opportunity. We're exclusive to it. And we have the GC status. We have our office in Houston, Texas. Let's work together.
0: Yeah. One of the things that I thought was pretty cool, like as I was doing you know, my hours worth of research uh, pre-episode was I was going through your Instagram profile. I think it was on Instagram or it was on LinkedIn, I forget. Well, and we're going to talk about social media at some point, Um, the the projects in Detroit where you're taking those old multifamilies and like kind of renovating them, like they're historic, but they're basically dilapidated. Um, I thought that was really cool, yeah.
1: Thanks. That's a new project that we're working on. I liked, I mean, those projects get a little bit complicated for the developers and owners because now you have to be super specific as to what you can touch and can't touch because a lot of it's historic, but the post-construction result is always so amazing because it has some history component to it. Um, So that's going to be a great conversion. I'm excited. And as soon as we posted that, a bunch of people asked me if I had off-market opportunities in Detroit. A lot of people want to invest there. Um, I have a few clients who are investing there as well. Uh, but I definitely see Detroit seeing an er- being an area where a lot of people want to start looking into.
0: Yeah. And how long have you been at uh, Build Pro and Captiva?
1: Almost two years now.
0: Almost two years. And were you doing something before that? Or did you- was that your first job after you graduated?
1: No. So I was working for a real estate consultant company. Okay. So I was working with um, mainly developers, construction companies, engineers, and getting them into the markets that they really wanted to get into.
0: Yeah. All right. So question about that is that construction, at least in, I mean, I'm not in construction, um, nor do I know a ton of people in construction outside of you and a few others. Um, but I would think that it's a very male dominated industry. So being relatively new, you know, so like only a couple years in, um, and in this type of industry, how, like, what's that experience been like for you as, as um, you know, to get acclimated and, and show that you have, you can present some value to the people that you're trying to sell to?
1: That's such a good question, Mike. Um, I think it's a little, I love the challenge. I think besides it being a male-dominated industry, I think the real estate development industry as a whole has a huge age gap in it. So I really get excited going into meetings, quite frankly, with men who aren't used to seeing a woman into in construction because the first thing I always get is I've never seen women in construction or I've never heard of a woman for a construction company. And I, I'm not a feminist by any means. Um, I, I believe in, you know, women taking important roles. And I do think that, you know, I don't find the problem with it being a male dominated industry It does pose different challenges when you have to really prove yourself. But I think that's in every industry in general. I think it's important that you work hard in educating yourself, um, you know, in client knowledge and market knowledge and in the industry knowledge, because at the end of the day, you know, there's a bunch of different people who do what you do. It's one, your personality and who they want to work with, two, how much you know, and what type of value you can add. So I spent a lot of time with Rich asking him a million questions, and I still do today. Um, knowledge is so important. Education's important. I'm always reading up on the market. I'm always, you know, asking myself questions. I went to Monmouth University and I studied in finance and real estate and all of my professors were adjunct professors. So we were really, really able to use, you know, their knowledge to understand you know the industry but on top of that I worked throughout college so my first job going into college was for a real estate development company and I worked on the South Beach at Long Branch project which is you know higher end condos and then after that a real estate consulting company before that Bank of America so I've had a lot of everyday experience I would work full time and then I'd take nighttime classes So it just became a matter of I personally think there's only so much you can learn from a book. Oh, yeah. You know, it takes experiential knowledge, which is why I think when people come out of college, they don't think they have experience. So I always say, make sure you're working in that industry you want to be in during college, because now you have four years under your belt. You're young and you still have a lifetime to go in this industry. I don't have time to you know, ruin my reputation. These are like pivotal years in my life. So I would say I love the challenge. It poses different challenges other than, you know, knowledge and experience, which you're always going to have no matter what industry. But then also, you know, um, when you're working in real estate development, you do face a lot of different cultures um, you're working with investors from different places, and some of them have different religious or cultural beliefs where they can't necessarily be in a room alone with me, or they can't shake my hand, or, you know, they can't do certain things and they rather speak with a man. So that was something new to me that I had never experienced. And I had to learn and understand and not take it so personal because right. to me was like, what's the big deal? But um, it also gave me a lot of cultural appreciation, appreciation where I I realized, you know, how important these things were to different cultures and people. So Rich and I work really closely depending on our client and their beliefs, so that everyone feels comfortable. Because the reality is, some people feel more comfortable working with a man. Um, You know, you're creating a relationship with me where, you're speaking to me you know almost every day through your projects you you know we become a pivotal role in each other's lives to make sure your project which is like your baby can yeah. come to life so i think comfortability with our clients is super important and with that comes a lot of respect so i think as a woman you need to be able to present yourself with respect with integrity and also understand and adapt to your environment because every environment's different. Yeah. So it can get very sticky depending on what environment you're in. So it's really understanding how to adapt to those different environments.
0: Yeah. And it's funny that you said the age gap thing um, in part of that answer, because that's one of the things that I've noticed from a title insurance sales side is that, especially when I'm trying to market to, let's say, real estate attorneys, there is that big age gap right in the middle. So you have people that are, you know, 65 plus and then you have people that are, you know, my age, like I'm 30, so somewhere in that range. You know what I mean? And then there's nobody in the middle. Um, and and I don't know if if this also adds into what you were saying, but like when I first started, so I've been doing this 4 years uh, in August. And when I first started, even, you know, at the last couple of years, I get a lot of the you're young, you're young, you're young, which like drives me crazy same. because, yeah, because even though I may be young, I mean, I can still do the same job that anybody else you're going to go to can. Right. So I think that's, you know, different from the gender side, but also just like the, um, it's like a respect thing. You know what I mean? So I feel like it's, you know, if you can prove to them pretty early on that you can do the job, then they they feel comfortable using you. But I feel like there's always that rub between you and even, you know, maybe attorneys that are in their forties still sometimes look at me as somebody that's super young. And I'm like, I'm not that much younger than you. You know what I mean? So
1: no, I, I face that all the time. People ask me my age and I'm always so hesitant to answer. And I hate talking about age because what is Why are you asking? What are your intentions to ask? Right. Like when you ask someone their age, unless you're trying to get to know them on a personal level, when you're asking them that in a business environment, I think it plays no relevance. I think it doesn't provide any value because there's people who are 65 plus and someone who's younger than than them may have more knowledge and vice versa.
2: Right.
1: So um, when it comes to that, I get it. And I think working for an employer that embraces that is very important, because if rich through my age and my experience and my face all the time, he wouldn't trust me.
2: Right. Yeah, exactly. Right.
1: <laughs> Dealing with clients. So I think it comes down to your experience and then that value. And it takes time to show your value. And that's why I had utilized social media so much in different ways. And even utilizing social media, people didn't like the way I was utilizing it, the older generation, or they didn't understand it. And um, age also comes to play. I had an employer once who always brought up age. It was like, you know, I've been in this industry for 30 plus years. You know nothing. You are nothing. And you're never going to be at my level because you're younger than me.
0: Right. Sounds like a very, sounds like a very inspiring leader.
1: Yeah. But I guess for any person who's, you know, an older individual or a business owner listening to this, that's not very encouraging um, (laughs) (laughs) to tell your employees that, that they'll never be as good as you because they're younger. And then also you have that older age gap where they don't wanna teach the younger generation what they know. Yeah. And I always find that so interesting because if you're so well-versed and knowledge in what you know and you know what value you provide, why do you fear teaching the younger generation?
2: Yeah,
1: Um, right. Clearly you're scared that they're gonna be able to learn quicker than you and may take your role. But at the end of the day, Me as an employee, me as a business owner now, me as an individual, I want someone who knows more than me around me. Because if you choose me, that means clearly I have value to provide that, you know, someone else didn't see. Right. So...
0: And I think it's just one of those other things too. Like, I've spent a lot of time, not a lot of, I mean, I, I knew kind of early on, I, I attracted or was attracted to a couple different sales reps here at my company who are just older, have been doing it for a long time, because I knew that they would give me good advice. Like, a couple of them are in their 70s. One guy's, I think he's like, you know, maybe late 50s, early 60s. So, you know, three people that have been in the game for a very long time. Uh, but also, they recognize the fact that, you know, selling title insurance. Selling construction services in 1991, let's say, is a lot different than selling it in 2021. And there are some things that are, you know, they they stand the test of time, like sales ethics, I guess, and how you approach people and the trust factor and all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, I do a podcast to help me generate business. That's something that like they never did, never thought to do because it wasn't even on their radar because it's only, it's relatively new podcasting. Social media is another thing which we'll get into in a minute. Um, But I think that that's a really good point because they, I can take those, you know, experience life lessons, you know, you know, things that they've been through because there is no, you know, better teacher than that. I think than the actual experience, uh, actually experience things, but then you add on stuff that, you know, kind of you and I grew up with you add in social media, you add in stuff like this, you add in just like different ways to try to connect to people. And next thing, you know, you just have, you know, you're rocking it because you, you know, you have all these different avenues and especially over the last year where you couldn't really do in-person meetings. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, it happened, you know, maybe in the summer, you know, early fall, and then it got cold again and nobody wanted to do indoor dining and now we're doing it again. But, um, you know, so, uh, but the, the but that was like a big thing. And we're going to, like I said, we're going to get to social media here in a minute, but I just think it's really important to recognize the fact that because we're so adept at doing that kind of stuff and putting stuff out there to maintain those, you know, like people remember who you are. My biggest fear, and I'm sure it's the same thing for you, is when we came out of this, COVID pandemic, you know, year plus that we've been in to go to an in-person event and be like, Oh my God, Mike, I did not know you sold title insurance anymore. And I'd be like, Oh my God. Like that's like the worst thing anybody could ever say, you know?
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. I just went to my first in-person event um, in New York and I was posting about it all throughout social media. And it was amazing. It was so nice to just be around people and I said, I was so excited. I was inviting everyone in the industry and people like, why are you so excited? This is my first networking event in over a year. No one would have ever thought this pandemic would have lasted so long. And pre pandemic, it's all I did. Network, 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 lunches, events. I was planning to host my own event and it was just so nice. I think humans need other human interaction, and I'm so tired of the like phone interaction, texting interaction. I need to see you. Like, I need to say hi. I want to see you smile, laugh. It's so different. So it was definitely really nice. And utilizing social media could be a good and bad thing. Right. But um, if you do it right, it can definitely really add value to your company.
0: Okay. What are the, let's start with the bad things. Cause I'm interested to see like what you think are the bad things about social media. Cause there are, I agree, but I'm just yeah. mis- Cause you're my guest. So you go first.
1: <laughs> um, being the woman that I am, <laughs> uh, I think, you know, I have to think about that. No, I'm a
0: yeah.
1: woman. <laughs> um, uh, I think that being a young female who puts themselves out on social media let's keep it to linkedin right Uh, you in a business environment that is male predominant and also has mainly older individuals who say they know how to use social media but are still figuring it out but also are stuck in like another mind time year frame of respect and what's appropriate and what's not appropriate Can find creativity to be inappropriate. And what do I mean by that? You know, I started selling the deals that we had, creating quick videos in my living room. And I remember getting comments all the time of, you know, women in the industry or men saying, you know, it's inappropriate that you're sitting in your living room making a video and then posting it to a business page and then from that went oh god forbid my shirt was too low or my shoulder was showing or you know if i had makeup you know this isn't a beauty pageant god forbid a woman like dressed up for a video or if i posted you know just a picture of myself and you know content included on that picture that meant i was trying to attract men like you know, the, the amount of negativity that you got is draining. Yeah. I'm like, geez, you're taking this a little far. That was not where I was going. And then you have the other spectrum of those negative people turning into now, you know, people thinking that me posting means I'm looking for a dating application in my DM or my comments. Like yeah. if I was looking to date, I'd be on a dating app, you know? Right. <laughs> um, So I guess that's what comes with the territory, but it's different when you see that happening to famous people and you never think it would happen to you. And now you're posting on LinkedIn and you're getting the hate comments, you're getting, you know, inappropriate messages, you're getting, you know, people threatening you via messaging, losing clients because they don't think something's appropriate. And now, you know, I think this brought me and my company so much closer together because, Build Pro wasn't big on LinkedIn before, you know, I really wanted to be on there. We were big on it and we have our marketing team and it was more strategic marketing where we were creating flyers and, you know, it was very cutthroat. This is a deal, here's a flyer, that. And then I had presented to Rich, like, I want to build a different platform on LinkedIn where I want to be more personal and maybe not everyone likes that, And maybe not everyone, you know, thinks that's the best way of marketing. But I think that I was tired of talking to robots. I was tired of talking to super salesy people who weren't real. I didn't know their story. I didn't know who they were. And if I met them in person, I went to lunch with them. Then I did. But we're in the pandemic and we can't do that. And if people can get a little bit personality from me, on a LinkedIn post and it's not so salesy, I found that people could connect to that and then they wanted to speak to you. Yeah. So that's kind of the negative things that I experienced from LinkedIn. And it came to a point and I still do it today. I'll take LinkedIn breaks. I went like five months off of LinkedIn and it hurt my business because people were trying to contact me, but I just couldn't look. I just couldn't look at it. it. It became a mental health thing where it became toxic and I had to sit down with Rich and tell him, you know, I don't know how to manage this because it's so overwhelming and time consuming and it could distract from my actual business because not everything is business or leads that we can, you know, make money from. Some of it's just relationship building, but it's relationship building on such a higher scale that people hire people just to do this.
0: Yeah. And
1: I could, yeah, I could easily have an assistant that's doing it, but then it's not me anymore.
0: Right. It takes the personal side right out of it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So it's time management. It's figuring out how to mentally manage it and it not, you know, mentally affect me the negativity because people hide behind their phones and write negative comments and don't realize that there's a human on the other side of the screen. Yeah. You know, writing, you're just looking for attention. Look at all these men, you know, you, you know, this, that, all the negative things I won't say live on air, but you're reading that and you're like, dude, I, I was just posting a post. Like yeah, right. nothing, yeah. nothing to do with that. So that's yeah. a reflection of someone's own self. But I say to the women who are new, and I think what helped me was there were so many women who reached out to me telling me like that my LinkedIn was an inspiration to them and how they didn't have the guts to post themselves like that on LinkedIn because they were scared of the negative feedback they were going to have and how their colleagues, peers, and boss may look at them. And I'm like, listen, me and Rich have such a great business relationship where, you know, if a guy super inappropriate with me on LinkedIn and I block him I've had, you know, men then contact our company and say that I'm not answering their business inquiries. And then Rich will come to me and be like, you know, Nicole, why didn't you follow up? And I'll be like, this is why I didn't. Yeah. I don't want to work with someone like this. And that's why. Um, and, and not many people have that relationship with their boss, but I think it's trust, right? He just yeah. trusts that that I'm going to do the right
0: thing. Right. And I think that, I mean, to me, and you know, like I haven't gotten any of those comments, um, but I think to me, the building, the personal brand is super important. And that's why, I mean, like I've said this on the show a million times, you know, I always felt, or I didn't realize, but I had business Mike, you know, title insurance salesman, Mike, I had, You know, friend Mike, relationship Mike, family Mike, Mike that sits on the couch and watches Netflix in his, you know, in his shorts and T-shirt. And then, you know, eventually at some point last year, doing that first iteration of the show, like I just didn't feel like myself. And then the more I just kind of embraced this and who I am and how I operate and the way I think and the way I talk and everything, um, that was where I saw, you know, maybe I don't connect well with everybody now, but I connect stronger with the people that connect with that message in the way that I'm presenting myself. And I think that that's something that I I think, you know, what you're saying is that you're going to, the more specific you make yourself and the more true to who you are as an actual person, especially on social media, where, you know, people's, uh, BS meters are so finely tuned that they can just, you know, tell like this person's not real, this person's real, this person, they like, they know. And I think that that's one of the things, like the more specific you are and the more you're able to actually embrace that you're going to connect stronger with the people that embrace what you're doing, you know, and then you're going to lose people because they're not going to really understand, like, why don't you wear like a suit when you host the podcast, you're a title salesman because it's a very like old school industry, you know, like, or why are you even doing a podcast? Or why do you post on Instagram or, you know, post about your, you know, but you have like a Nashville-based singer on your podcast. Why is that on LinkedIn? You know what I mean? Stuff like that where it's just, you know, I mean, I I, tell, I totally uh, agree with everything that you just said. And I think it's just one of those things where like the more you're able to embrace that. But I did find it interesting. I was going to ask you about it, but you just talked about it anyway. Like if that's tough to deal with and then, like you said, you have to take like a five-month break. Yeah,
1: And I try not to take so long because there are positives from LinkedIn. And I think one of my most amazing messages was when I, I got contacted by this girl and she really wanted to connect with me and, um, have me mentor her on social media. And her uncle is actually in the industry and sent her my page. So oh, really? it was a man who sent her niece my page and said, you know, I want you to contact her, see if she could mentor you. So seeing that like dynamic of a man seeing my page and then showing his niece to look up to me, to me, I was like, okay, maybe I'm doing something right. Because there's times when you get so much negative, you know, feedback and you're like, wait, do I look inappropriate? Is what I'm doing inappropriate? You know, am I going to lose clients because of this? You know, you're constantly walking on eggshells. I feel like as a woman in the industry, because you know, God forbid your you know your shoulders showing. Then you're sending off this message, that message, and do so I think there's a level of you know respect and level of appropriateness? Yes, but do I think that it people push it way too far? Yes. <laughs> um, I also think that majority of our life is spent working, and I'm gonna I'm gonna put this picture to you. I'm really big on self growth and. If majority of your time is spent working and when you come home, you're a completely different person trying to express yourself. How do you really know what your identity is when you're one person, 90% of your life, 90% of your day at work with business people at networking events. And then when you come home and you're with your spouse or you're you're by yourself, you finally feel relieved because you could be yourself. How does that take a toll on your mental health? If someone's going to tell me it doesn't, they're lying. Yeah, it's exhausting. It's exhausting. You feel like you can't identify with your career, which is another huge issue, because if you don't love what you're doing, you're going to be miserable. Um, and you feel like you can't connect with people because they don't truly know who you are. Right. And, and that's a huge issue. And I don't want to spend my life living that way. And I think it's important to have a culture In your work environment where you're able to embrace your own natural talents, you're able to embrace you being a mother. For example, during COVID, um, some of our mothers in our office had to bring their kids to work. And you know, you have a baby crying and you have the mom trying to work and I remember people who would cross the hallway and look into our office think we were a daycare. And they were like, why is like, what's going on in here? Yeah. No other office would allow that. And granted, we were all socially separated because we all have our own office spaces. But owners need to understand that people are way more than just a, a paying paid employee. Yeah. You know, that's a mother who has a one year old baby who has no babysitter because of COVID can't work from home because she's on you know our team who needs her business equipment and needs to balance that. Imagine if, you know, Rich wasn't able to see that, you know, when is he going to lay her off or she's going to work from home and not be able to get her job done? No, because she's a mother and she needs to be able to balance the two. If we have a personal situation we need to take care of, Rich doesn't even question us. You know, he's like, go take care of it. If I tell him, you know what, Rich, I need a mental health day because Mental health, as you know, when I broadcast it is so important to me, if I'm feeling down or, you know, having a moment and I tell him like, I need to go to Starbucks and work from Starbucks or like, I just need a day because I'm not physically sick. I don't have an illness. There's nothing going wrong, but mentally I'm not okay. He's going to be like, well, if you're not mentally okay, that means you're not a hundred percent there. You can't perform your work because yep. you're mentally not okay. Okay go take that mental health day. Yeah. And it's
2: important.
0: Right. Yeah. And I think just going back again, just to the social media side of it and just like the way that people operate in the roles that like you and I have, it's just like the people that tell you that there are rules on how to do that particular job. Forget it. Like wh- how, wh- who made these rules and when, like, where are they written down and why can't I just do it the way that I want to do it? You know, un- un- until somebody actually gives me a roadmap on how to do this job then I'm just gonna do it however I figure it out. And then if like, I'm the king of throwing stuff against the wall, seeing what sticks. And if it sticks, you do it. If it doesn't, you don't, like what's the big deal? I mean, yeah. it's still, it's just trial and error type stuff. Cause what if, you know, this puts me and it has, so we were talking about before we got on on the show uh, or started the episode, like what if this grows my business? Yeah. Why, why would I not do it? You know what I mean? So. <laughs>
1: people ask me, do you get a lot of business from LinkedIn? I would say 80% of my business is from LinkedIn over the past year, two years, you know, since I've really been on LinkedIn. And it's so funny because, you know, it used to be cold calling and this and that, and it's not a quick business transaction from LinkedIn. So let me make that clear. It may not be as quick as getting a cold call and knowing that that's a target client. It's more long-term, but with that long-term, you know, relationship building means it's even more of a long-term client. Yeah. Um, it may have taken longer to get that person because for you, you're, you've been doing these podcasts and, you know, you've been rebranding yourself and maybe you didn't get clients right away. But people have also been seeing what you've been doing and then they have someone to go to because remember that Mike guy or wait, I know this Mike guy or, yeah. you know, and this he's a title guy. He's more than just doing podcasts. He has this business and, you know, it creates more long term relationship building than that quick cold call transaction.
0: Yeah. Oh, I totally agree. I mean, when I had first started, I had tried the cold call thing with no background in sales or anything. Um, I tried the cold call thing, cold calling attorneys, which was just a disaster. I I did like 10 and I was like, this is just not going to work. You know what I mean? I know that makes me seem like I got discouraged quickly, but you know, I'm calling these people. I'm like, oh, I'm Mike from Fidelity. And they're just like, is this about a deal? I'm like, well, kind of, because I want your deals, you know, but not an actual, and they're like, all right, don't call me ever again. (laughs) Exactly. Um, But next thing you know, I start doing it on LinkedIn and basically like cold calling, I put that in air quotes on LinkedIn. And then next thing you know, just business starts to pick up. I think my first couple of years, I would say I was probably pretty close to that. Probably 75% of my business came from LinkedIn connections. And you're right. It's not a, you know. Hey, like, thanks for the message on LinkedIn. Here's a, here's, you know, a hundred million dollar deal. It takes time. But some of my biggest clients now were LinkedIn connections I made in my first year working at Fidelity. Um, And that's just the power of social media, especially in the demographic, the age demographic that you and I find ourselves in is people just used to talking that way, communicating that way, you know, consuming content that way, getting themselves educated that way. And that's just a big thing. So if able to kind of master that next thing, you know, you're crushing it.
1: I also think a negative thing, and maybe you can relate to this with LinkedIn that I find now that, you know, I've really established myself on LinkedIn and I'm still working on it, but I have a pretty good connection base is people wanting instant gratification from me answering their messages. I remember when I started on LinkedIn and I would message people and it would take them months to get back to me and I would get so annoyed and think to myself, it's a message. I know you see the message. Just so you, answer. It's you see not the little that,
0: bubble on the top? Like, you know, they read it. Yeah.
2: It's
1: not that difficult. Until now, I'm in a situation where I get so many messages that I can't keep up with replying because I have my day to day job, people. I think people <laughs> think that all we do all day is make podcasts and go on LinkedIn. And don't realize that there's a bunch of other work that's being done behind the scenes from follow-ups with my current clients, site visits, you know, making sure all of our documents are coming in, following up with architects, engineers, my meetings, you know, reporting to my boss, that that quick LinkedIn post that generated a thousand messages those a thousand messages are going to take me like two days to get to. And then once you answer those a thousand messages, there's another 2000 messages to answer to. Right. And you're like, wait, I didn't, I didn't prepare myself. (laughs) You
2: (laughs) got to stop posting. Yeah.
1: No. And then my favorite thing is, is when people in my LinkedIn message ask me like, what do you do? Or, you know, I've been trying to contact you via LinkedIn and you haven't answered me yet. My business number is posted on my LinkedIn and my emails posted on LinkedIn and my bios posted on LinkedIn. So those asking what I do while well, you didn't read my bio, those asking that they've been trying to get in contact with me, well, why didn't you send me an email and just a LinkedIn message? And why didn't you give me a call and leave me a voice message? Although we're using LinkedIn, you know, utilize your resources a little bit because when I started on LinkedIn, if I wanted to get in contact with a developer, I mean, I knew the background of the developer. I knew what they were doing. You know, I looked on their profile. I sent them a LinkedIn message. I found their email and I found their contact number and I contacted all three, Yeah, you know? Right. And if I, I find it amazing that people just send a LinkedIn message and then get upset that you don't answer. Right. But they don't try to like... Find you. (laughs)
0: Yeah, the follow up is everything, right? So like, if you're gonna send the message, then you have to like, and you said, I mean, that's the same thing that I do, you know, similarly with, if I'm, you know, gonna have lunch with somebody that's new, you know, new for me, at least a new connection. And we're gonna have lunch about, you know, talking about future business. I like know everything about them. You know what I mean? Like I go, I go to their Facebook page, I go to their LinkedIn, I go to their Instagram. If they have one, I go to their, you know, company's website and I just like, look at all this stuff and maybe I could find something on there that can make that connection happen. Because it's like what we were talking about before. It's like the no like and trust thing, which is one of those things that's just super overplayed, but it's so true that like the easier or the quicker you can make that personal connection with someone the more likely that connection is going to turn into something down the road and just firing off a LinkedIn message, which I'm guilty of too, and then never following up or never, you know, getting upset that they don't respond or whatever. That just like doesn't work. That's not how any of this works.
1: <laughs> no, no. And there's no cutthroat answer for that either. But I do say like that one thing with LinkedIn, and I'm still challenged with it, are those follow-ups and answering all my LinkedIn messages because It becomes like texting. People want to have an entire texting conversation on there. To me, I, you know, I rather you send me a LinkedIn message and then with a time and day that you're available and your contact information, like your phone and email, and then let's take it off of LinkedIn. And now let's add you to my everyday life of, okay, now I have your email because I'm checking my emails every single day. Right. So LinkedIn it could become overwhelming because the minute I'm on LinkedIn and people see I'm on LinkedIn, now I'm active. So there you go with those messages. Um, but if you send me an email and you give me a call, I have to get back to you.
0: Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So. No. Absolutely. All right. So let's move this into uh, the mental health side because we did touch on it a couple times over the course of those. You know, talking about social media and how that kind of contributes to certain days of bad mental health days, I guess, um, and good mental health days. Like if you have a, you know, some good stuff on social media. I, th- I mean, I personally have good mental health days after I put out good episodes. So that's something. Um, but yeah. let's talk about the mental health. Like, why is something that's super important to you? Um, give us like, you know, some stuff that you do as far as like raising awareness, maybe?
1: Um, Mental health is super important to me. I, you know, growing up, I always thought I had really good mental health and then I had a really bad breakup um, two, three years ago and I was in a four year relationship. And, you know, there were a few things that had happened in my personal life outside of my relationship that started to really affect my mental health and caused me to have really bad anxiety. So I had really bad anxiety. I had really bad PTSD. I had a really different upbringing than a lot of most people. And I never recognized it until I became, you know, a young adult. And I started, you know, having a hard time breathing or I would get anxious, but I didn't believe in mental health. I, you know, I grew up in a family that was old-fashioned Portuguese, so it was just like, you know, get over it, have some bread and butter, like you'll be fine. Um, you know, Cure anxiety, <laughs> yeah, anxiety. What's that? And it wasn't until I was going to the doctor and the doctor had told me, you know, your anxiety is starting to affect your body physically. So the reason you're having a hard time breathing, the reason you're having a hard time focusing is not because you have a heart problem or a breathing problem, it's your anxiety. And I didn't believe it. I was like, anxiety can physically affect my body. And they were like, yeah. And then from that anxiety, it led to them giving me anxiety medication. So I started with therapy. The therapy wasn't working. I was a college student. My life was super hectic, mind you. I was working 8 a.m. till 5 p.m. And then I was taking 6 to 9 p.m. classes Monday to Friday and doing homework. And I was bartending and serving on weekends. So maybe that contributed to my anxiety. Maybe. um,
0: I'm not an expert, but it sounds like that's like a lot of stuff to handle.
1: Oh, absolutely. But that's the reality nowadays. It's not everyone gets college paid for. Not everyone has those financial means to not do that. And people don't talk about mental health, so they don't recognize. And that was the one thing that I took out of it, which I'll get into it. But, you know, being a college student in itself is not easy. And I think that we don't realize, like, we don't give ourselves a round of applause of, Wow, you made it to college because a lot of people can't handle being in a classroom setting, and let alone being in college where you're double major, double minor, and the workload is intensive, and you're working full time. Girl, you need a break. <laughs>
0: right, please <So you laughs> take a breath. Yeah.
1: Yeah, take 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 a break. Or you're on top of that, you're trying to balance a social life, a relationship life, a family life. I mean, it becomes crazy. And so from there, you know, the doctor said, we need to put you on meds because your anxiety is affecting your physical body. If it was just, you know, mental, then we can work through it with therapy, but now it's affecting you physically. So we're going to put you on anti-anxiety medication and not tell you that that anti-anxiety medication is also depression medication, which on top of that will give you suicidal thoughts and tendencies. And there were all these side effects. And um, I was on the medication for probably two weeks. And then I started having really bad suicidal thoughts. And I remember not having control over my mental state. Like, I could not control these thoughts. I've never had suicidal thoughts before. I was on this medication to try to get better because a doctor told me to take it. Right. And it was making me worse. And um, I had to admit myself to the hospital to get better. And it's such a taboo thing that people don't like to talk about out of fear of being judged. And I say, I really don't care. I don't care if it's going to save a life because going through what I went through saved my life. And I had to go to the hospital and I voluntarily went. It's not like anyone told me to. Um, I re- voluntarily went because I knew that something was happening and I was having some sort of adverse reaction. And as I did research on it, the amount of people who took their lives because of their mental health, I was like, Oh no, Satan. Like I am not ready to go. <laughs> like, you know, it is too soon. Right. I'm like, I have not gone skydiving yet. Yeah. Not yet. <laughs> um, so I, I went to the hospital. I admitted myself and, It was a long journey of self-healing and recognizing I was actually allergic to that medication. And when I was there, I met a businessman and, you know, it'd be crazy if one day he saw this podcast, but he was a millionaire and he had his own, you know, business and he was traveling from Jersey City to Dubai often. And he had just gotten engaged and he thought by getting engaged, it would help his love life because he was traveling so much and his business was reaching new new heights and doing amazing. And out of nowhere, mind you, no mental health, you know, history, nothing has a full anxiety breakdown. And his fiance admits him to the hospital because he like, doesn't want to be alive. Like it was an entire ordeal. And in that moment I realized like, this this isn't a mental health issue of you know someone has a mental health problem this is an issue that can happen to you to me you know to you know the neighbor next door you know i think for years we looked at mental health and looked at someone and said like no they're just crazy like they have issues right um, no you know it can happen to anyone no matter what color you are no matter what ethnicity you are your height your weight anything and that's how my mental health journey started where it happened to me and I thought it could never happen to me and that was my first problem thinking that I was too good for something like that to happen to me right and as I talk about it more and more people come forward and start talking about their experience and another woman I met when I was in the hospital was a teacher and she retired and felt like she lost her purpose so she didn't want to live anymore there was nothing wrong with her yeah she lost her purpose when we talk about our passion and our careers and then retiring and losing that passion it could make someone go crazy because they don't know what to do with themselves right
0: yeah it's like Uh, one thing defines them and then you take away that one thing and then they just like they just totally lose themselves
1: yeah and it can happen to any of us so with that being said you know after i got out of the hospital they put me on another medication that went well and i said i don't want to do it anymore this is not a short-term thing that i want to work on it's a long-term lifestyle. yeah it's not a year to two go to therapy this this, isn't that it's No, it's talking about your feelings. It's recognizing good and bad habits. It's being in a comfortable work environment. It's your colleagues, who you surround yourself with, your friends, the way you talk to yourself. I mean, it goes on and on and on. And the mental health journey doesn't stop when you think you figured it out. Because now, you know, let's say the next phase of my life, I have children. My mental health is probably going to be all messed up all over again (laughs) after I have children.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I would imagine. Right
1: you know, um, then let's say you get a new job and you're anxious, it's coping mechanisms. So, um, mental health's important to me and the way I advocate for mental health, um, is really in my day-to-day conversations. I strive to have more intimate conversations about mental health in the future. I have some plans for that in the future and working with women specifically, um, but I, I personally like. I'm in a women's Bible group, and we talk about mental health a lot, and we're very open with each other about the things we go through, and that for me has been one of the most amazing things because you realize you're not alone. Yeah, and you're not
0: right, exactly. And that I, I mean, we we've talked about uh, mental health on this show quite a bit. Um, I mean, we've had guests on to talk about their struggles and what they've gone through and how they overcame it. I've talked about stuff that I've gone through over the course of my life on this show and other shows that I've been a guest on. And it's just like one of those things that I think, like you said, is taboo in a lot of ways. But the stigma is starting to wear off a little bit, I think, because more people are just talking about like who they are, what they do, why they feel the way that they feel. And like you said, I mean, I personally think that anybody you know, that has like, you can't have, you, there's no person in the world that's happy a hundred percent of the time. Like it just, that person does not exist. And if they tell you that they are, they're full of it. It just, it's just not true. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's just one of the things. So, like, I mean, I had my ways that I kind of came back from it. I know you said that you, um, you know uh not came back from it because it's, again it's like a process but at least put me on the right track um so were there were there a couple things maybe that you did you know like specific things that maybe you did that kind of you know uh maybe started turning the ship around a little bit yeah
1: um so I took social media breaks for, for a few years so for about two years I was off of Instagram. Um, Instagram was really only the social media I had Um, other than LinkedIn for work. I never really used Facebook or anything like that. I have it, but I don't utilize it unless I'm going on Facebook Marketplace. Um, But (laughs) I love Facebook Marketplace. (laughs) (laughs) That's a whole nother story. But um, working out was really important to me. I find that working out has a direct, your physical health has a direct reflection in your mental health. Um, because the way you one view yourself has an effect on yourself. So if you're overweight or you're not overweight and you just feel like you're not where you want to be, you have full control over that. And I tell people all the time who are trying to lose weight or they tell me like, Nicole, you go to the gym, like you look great. Like, what do you need to go to the gym for? Well, that's not for you to decide, you know, (laughs) just because you think I look great doesn't mean that I don't, think that I can do better or that I want to have certain personal goals. Yeah. Maybe I'm not going to the gym to lose weight. Maybe I'm going to build muscle, stamina, endurance, you know, maybe it's for my mental health. Yeah. Um, because when I go to the gym and I take that time for myself, I'm able to set goals and then see myself progress. And that really helps me mentally also meditating. I haven't been so good at it, but meditating has been, um, you know, taking some time to just be present because I find that in the industry we're in, we are not as present as we'd like to be Um, on top of, you know, meditating, prayer, prayer, and I know this isn't a religious podcast, but um, my faith is super important to me. So writing, yeah. um, writing, I try to write down my feelings, emotions and thoughts um, on a weekly basis so I can reflect on the things that are affecting me, how they're affecting me and then how I coped with them. Um, and then surrounding myself so I filter what I see on social media I started unfollowing these models you know these fitness people Um, I find that when you're looking at those people although you may just be looking at them because you like what they're posting but subconsciously if you're looking at that all the time so let's say I have all of these like Beautiful models on my page, which I originally had followed because I just thought they were beautiful and I loved the content they posted. And then I really reflected on myself and I said, subconsciously, the back of my mind. When I'm looking at myself in the mirror, I'm thinking about how my body doesn't look like that one model that I saw or that my hair doesn't look as good or, you know, that I can't take a picture as good as they did. And, you know, subconsciously these thoughts come into your mind and people don't like to admit it. But every time you're looking at things, what you feed your, your eyes is what your brain sees. And then what your brain sees and hears goes into your spirit, your heart, and your soul. So I believe on my self-growth journey, and it's something that I'm focusing on, is the difference between your flesh, your spirit, and your soul, right? So your flesh is that outside craving and that instant gratification. Your spirit is your spirit. It's gonna go when you die, and it's always gonna be there. And then there's your soul, which is your heart, right? So if I keep feeding into my flesh, which is gonna be desires that might not necessarily be the best desires, right? So going to McDonald's and eating what I know I shouldn't be eating because I was just craving that. And I keep doing that. I'm telling my mind that I don't have self-discipline. And then subconsciously, now my body and my mind and my heart, when I tell someone else I'm a disciplined person, doesn't believe myself and is telling myself I'm a liar, so now my character is being affected because I deep down know I'm a liar because subconsciously. So it's a whole,
2: yeah, you a know, whole effect. Chain. Yeah.
1: It's, a, it's an entire chain that people don't like to talk about. And there goes your mental health in the way you view yourself. Right. And that's one thing. But I'm talking about it's your daily habits. So for me, filtering what I eat, filtering what I see and filtering who I surround myself with and what I do and that's really how and still i'm not a expert by any means <laughs> yeah right yeah <laughs> at all i'm not claiming to be an expert but doing those things little by little really help you you know take those steps towards self awareness and trying to improve yourself
0: right well i mean like you said you're not an expert but i don't think that anybody is but you're as close to an expert as you're going to be on yourself You know, like there's nobody else that knows you better than you. Um, So I think that's just one of the things, like at least for me, like that was just one of the things, just being, just shaking what everybody else was telling me I needed to do those rules again. And then just being, you know, more like I, yeah, there's the, I don't know if you watch this is just so off topic, but parks and rec, where like, he's like, I'm Ron. And he says the F word, but Ron effing Swanson and you're Leslie effing Nope. So I've been telling myself, I, you started telling myself you're Mike effing ham. You know and like who else who else does the stuff that i do and you know to the level that i do it there's not many people and once i realized how much i had to actually bring to the table all of a sudden that ship started to kind of turn itself around and honestly doing this show has been one of the things that i've you know has really got me closer to like enlightenment i think because now i've talked to um today so today's May 6th. So I posted my 69th episode of this iteration of the show today. I've talked oh, it's to- so exciting. I know. Thank you. And I've talked to, I don't know how many people over the last, since May of last year, when I started the original show, you know, different walks of life, different backgrounds, different parts of the world, different parts of the country, um, different, you know, whatever. And next thing you know, like I have- this wealth of experience and I'm talking to people that I just realized like we're all pretty much the same it doesn't matter how successful you are, or how not successful you are you just you're able to connect to people in a real who way defines and defines your
1: success. right? Exactly. Like, like, right. Who, yeah. Who defines, you know, making you a professional in something.
0: Yeah, right. Nobody you do. No. So
2: except you, exactly.
0: Right. So, all right. Remember when I said uh, before we even started recording this episode that I had to write the time down because I knew we were just going to talk for forever. So we've literally been going for an hour already. Um, but I don't want to leave this part out. So we're going to talk about this. Then we're going to do this clothing segment. Then we'll wrap it up. So um, you mentioned a couple of times over the course of the episode, the ment- mentorship side. So I know you're part of the aspiring mentors mentorship program, aspiring mentorship program. Tell me what that is, what got you involved in that um, and anything and everything you want to talk about with that.
1: So, I mean, I was originally working with the aspiring mentorship program because I liked their vision and their purpose. And what they basically do is partner with children in Newark, mainly teens who need assistance with the direction of their life and education, college application, all that stuff. If I'm completely quite frank, I haven't been working with them for the past, you know, few months. Um, My business has just been taken off and I haven't been able to, you know, balance that in my life today. I'm really looking and interested in getting involved in mentorship in other areas because I would really like to have my own mentorship program and be able to run it the way that I'd like. So I'm currently working on a really, really exciting project with a partner. Um, Our business is open. We have not launched our business yet. So that'll be a complete separate podcast we can go into, but it's um, surrounded around um, women's mentorship and only women. So It's going to be really exciting because it's going to be business-based, real estate focused, but also have an investment aspect, also have, you know, one-on-one mentorship aspect. I mean, you name it, we're doing it in in that mentorship. And then, you know, I guess when it comes to mentorship, the reason I work so hard right now on building my brand and my business and building, you know, my company's brand and business, which is ultimately my clientele as well, is because long term philanthropy is really important to me. So I don't believe that you're successful until you've built others' success um, you can build your own success, but the world does not revolve around you. I hate to tell you. So whoever's listening this, if you think it does, it doesn't. Um, and so success to me is when I get to a level where I'm able to help others reach their success, but also give back and leave a footprint. So long term, I would really like to start, you know, opening a different philanthropy area within Build Pro and Kiptiva, where we're really giving back. On a complete div- different level, but that requires time, that requires finances, that requires resources. So I want to do it right. I'm an all-in type of person. Um, I'm either all in or nothing.
0: Right. So yeah, the only way to live. Sure. Yeah. Is that
1: toxic? I don't um, think so.
0: I mean, if you're I gonna do think... if you're gonna do something, you got a whole asset. You can't half ass. Yeah. It. You I was go gonna all to all say ass ass that. Ass.
1: Can I say that on here? Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. I mean, you we've, can't use we've had half
1: of your ass, you know, <laughs> you have to use the whole thing. Exactly,
0: right. Yeah, um, so you got to go all in. But then if you're not going to do it, that's fine. You just don't, like, don't really die
1: with the aspiring mentorship program. I was really hyped about it and I was, you know, advertising it, but I wasn't able to give it my full attention. Um, I can send you the contact information for the. You know the founders of that program for them to have a time to speak about that because I don't feel it would be appropriate that I speak about that when I haven't been active in it um, gotcha. personally. I'm yeah. I'm someone who I think it's respectable to say you know what I just haven't had the time to do that rather than go on a spiel of how I'm involved in something I haven't been involved in. Right.
0: Well, um, I knew that you were involved in the mentorship side and I had seen some stuff about that, so I figured that we would yeah. we would ask it. But then obviously yeah. it's you know I like the fact that you're doing your own thing because I think that that is just to me, and you said before, like the successful part. And when you feel successful is you help others, others achieve success. But I also think going back to the mental health side, I think that if you're able to help the way that you describe this person that you're trying to mentor, it seems like it looks like a lot like you, you know what I mean? Like women, construction, business, all this other stuff. And I think that that's something, you know, the more you're able to give back uh, to people that, you know, that you, have gone through those same trials and tribulations as they're about to go through. I think that that personally, I think that that helps on the mental health side as well. Um, so I think it's awesome what you're doing, which is why I wanted to at least bring it up and make sure we got it in towards the end of this episode. So.
1: Thanks Mike. (laughs) No
0: problem. All right. So, uh, we're going to move the show into our closing segment called under the spotlight. So they have the spotlighters. have been listening to us talk. Like I said, for over an hour now, I knew that was going to happen. Um, so, what is, we're going to put you under the spotlight. So what is one thing you want the spotlighters to walk away from this episode with?
1: I would say on the business side, knowing that I'm a resource for no matter, no, no matter what the person is going through on the business side or personal side that you can always reach out to me, preferably via email or phone. We've <laughs> covered that. that. That's one. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> And on the construction side that, you know, I'm always looking to connect with investors, developers, architects, um, real estate attorneys who are looking to help their clients um, projects. And then on the more personal side, never, ever, ever give up on yourself because you can give up on anything else. But if you give up on yourself, no one else is going to invest in you And sometimes things short term don't seem like they make sense, but there's always a bigger plan and to just trust the process.
0: Love it. All great stuff. And then the spotlighters, if they need more Nicole Cruz, where can they go to get it?
1: They can go on my LinkedIn, Nicole Cruz. They can go on my Instagram, Cruz build with crews get it um my email which i'm sure michael posts but it's nicole at buildprocs.com
0: Awesome. Yeah, I'll make sure I put all those links in the show notes So anybody that does want to reach out to Nicole, make sure you go check those out. Uh, I'll also, as always, put my uh, website, themorningspotlight.com and the email address, at gmail.com in the show notes. If you want to reach out directly to the show, I can always connect you to Nicole. That would always be good too. Um, So Nicole, thank you for coming on with us today. This has been great as I totally expected it was going to (laughs) be.
1: Thanks, Mike. Thank you for having me.
0: Of course. And everybody else, thanks for listening and we will catch you next time. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. Just a reminder that any views expressed in the morning spotlight are the views of the speaker and should not be construed to be the views of any other person, any employer, or any organization. Thank you. We'll see you next week.